the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along for the Wednesday edition of The Ride Home. Good to see you, Kath, uh, at the homestead still. Thank you, John. Look at this weird thing happening in our house this year, and I don't know what this is. Um, uh, right outside, you know, we're on the second floor okay. and the steps go down to a landing. I'm familiar. And then you turn and go down again. So at the landing, there's a window. It's a, you know, it's a decent size window, but there's a bird presently nesting with some eggs, some little blue eggs in the nest. That's awesome. So, so you can watch it. Yeah. Well, uh, now we're sort of in discussion here in the homestead. Do we block the window? Are we, by walking up and down the steps, uh, an impediment to the the well-being of the bird? Because we, we come upon the bird and the bird flies away. Sure. Now, I wonder if the bird family ever discussed whether they were being an impediment to you guys by no. nesting in the window frame. Here's the weird thing. This is the third nest on my on my house this year. And really? it's never happened before. Never once. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means either, but I think it might be connected to the (laughs) tracksuit. Maybe, maybe it's just fear that I just, it keeps coming to my head. And so I feel like it's probably in all the animals heads. Well, if it's it's attached to the tracksuit, then the, the, uh, the birds are saying, get a baby blue tracksuit, which is a whole. No, I think the birds are on my side saying, Uh skip it. All right. Hey, it's a, a lot going on, of course, in the world as it continues to spin. Uh, Kath always starts to show off by looking at the news stories of the day. Kath, please present us with the top four at four. Indeed. For Wednesday, May 12th, 2021. Number one. More than a decade after some members first started posting their own expenses online, just 18 lawmakers in the 203-member Pennsylvania House of Representatives and 11 in the 50-member Senate post any level of financial information today. Now, we've talked about the expenses of our bloated state Congress several times on the show, most recently about the absurdly high charges for per diem travel over the last year related to COVID that we as taxpayers have paid for. Now comes new reporting in today's trip from the caucus and spotlight PA revealing that nearly all of our state reps are under reporting their expenses or are offering outdated or incomplete information. Now, some are leaving out anywhere from hundreds to tens of thousands of dollars attributed to them in their offices. Others are providing extremely limited information that's outdated by as much as eight years. I know, I can't believe some House lawmakers post more details than others, but none post itemized expense reports or receipts that reveal more comprehensive details like the names of the vendors or the descriptions about what the purchases were for. Constituents who want more information, like maybe me, would need to file a formal right to know law request, which can take more than a month 
and still come back with redactions that require legal appeals. You think there's something wrong with the system, John? You know, the Spotlight PA has done a wonderful job. So whether it's the Post-Gazette or the Trib, you can find this information. and They dig down deep into the dirty dealings of the PA state legislature. I'm telling you. It's like the ruling class and everybody else. We're the minions. It's I would say it's like the mafia. There's something totally corrupt with this system here yep. in the state of Pennsylvania. Number two, Representative Liz Cheney spoke to her colleagues in the House Republican conference this morning, shortly before she was ousted as the conference chair by a voice vote. Fox News obtained her comments from a source who was in the room and in a short speech, Cheney hammered former President Trump for what she said are, quote, efforts to unravel our democracy and warned that those who enable him risk tarnishing their own legacy. She also prayed, quoting John 8:32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Representative Ken Buck, Republican of Colorado, said Cheney got a standing ovation for her remarks for her remarks, despite the fact that she was still ousted shortly after in a brief meeting. This doesn't affect me. There's power changes in Washington, D.C. all All the time. time. Number three, the company that runs the Colonial Pipeline hopes to restore much of its operations by the end of the week. But until then, according to CBS News, government officials and industry experts are sounding the alarm about drivers making matters worse by panic buying and hoarding gas. Long lines continued popping up at many gas stations today, especially in the southeastern part of the U.S. Many were running out of gas and some were jacking up prices. S&P's Oil Price Information Service said that more than a thousand stations were experiencing shortages, the AP reported. Quote, a lot of that is because they're selling three or four times as much gas than they normally would sell in a given day because people panic. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So said S&P analyst Tom Clausa, according to the AP. And number four, nice game for the Buckos last night. JT Brubaker pitched six innings and Troy Stokes Jr., who is really fun to watch, had an RBI triple on the way to a 7-2 defeat of the Chicago Cubs. Now, the two uh, clubs are playing right now. They're in the 10th. John, you have an update on what that score is? Yeah, Pirates are losing 2-1. Um, oh, okay. And so, he's got the bases loaded with no outs. Top okay. of the 10th. Don't look good. Okay. Matt, is your top four? Uh, now, to be honest, uh, I did succumb myself to the buying panic. Um, I had a quarter tank of gas, and I thought, I just got a quarter tank. So I went out to my neighborhood uh, gas station where the price was $3.19 per wow. gallon. Wow. I don't know. Is this a thing? Is this coming? Is this happening? Will there be like crazy long lines like the 1970s? Where well, it's going to do... be like, what? Was it going to be like toilet paper and Lysol wipes? I don't know. Everybody's freaking out. And so we're all going to go line up at the gas station. You don't remember the even odd license plate thing, do you? No, I don't. Yeah, you know, that was a big thing for a long time. I remember, you know, getting in line with Those my were in dad. the Carter years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so, uh, well, I, you know, the, it brings up a lot of questions about infrastructure and ransomware and hacking and uh, the, the structure that's um, easily manipulated here. Of course, um, they're saying the Russians were behind this, not the government, but nefarious men in the Russian uh, uh, government somehow are, are going to sidestep this. And it looks like but there's you know some kind of mafia mix as well. So, again, I said mafia twice in this top four at four. Boy, it's only been really been in the air six minutes for crying out loud. <laughs> All right. Well, no. 
My apologies. All right, so let's get off the air. I mean, just for a couple. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to be talking to Bob Smitana. For some pastors, this past year of COVID and election and racial unrest and social change and social media um, absorption, boy, it's caused them to look for a new job. We'll talk about it next. It's the Wednesday edition. It's still cold. It's the right house. WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. Salvation is free, but discipleship costs. Are you willing to pay the price? You know, we sing it pays to serve Jesus. It pays every step of the way, and it does, doesn't it? If I had a thousand lives, I'd give them all to Jesus. It pays over and over again. Join us for more of Adrian Rogers' series, Sharing the Good News, this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. If you can fix the big stuff, you can fix the small stuff. For over 100 years, QDOT has fixed big mechanical systems for the commercial industry, from hospitals and factories to churches and schools. You deserve to be treated fairly when it comes to your home's HVAC system. QDOT can solve any mechanical challenge, big or small. For affordable repairs, replacement, and maintenance, QDOT answers 24-7-365. And your safety is their top priority. Call 412-366-6200 at q-dot.com. Well, shockingly, and with great celebration and fanfare, another year in college has come to a close. Grove City College has weathered the storm. And unlike a lot of colleges, Grove City was committed to meeting and teaching in person. Now, of course, in this COVID era, nothing was perfect. And there were illnesses and incidences. And it was a bumpy ride. But the thousands and thousands of students at Grove City College, they made it through. So with some foresight and some wisdom, Grove City continues to meet in person. And Kath and I had students on campus at Grove City. We're proud to say our kids are Grovers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, for any parent of any college student or high school student in particular, I mean, anybody, parent of any age child over the last year and a half, boy, it has been a real challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, I can speak as a parent, as John said, of of a Grove City student. And I just think, you know, when when things are as topsy-turvy as they have been and there's so much uncertainty, it is really a comfort to see that there's an organization that is so well organized, so well run, and the decisions they're making, they're doing their best that they would be godly ones. And so as a parent, all I can say is it's been a great ride in spite of COVID and the semester is almost over. GCC.edu online. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. a hard year on everybody, right? I mean, I think everybody can name something about the last year that was just a real trial. Well, for those among us who are pastors, I don't know if it's been worse, but I kind of suspect it has been. I have a lot of friends who serve as pastors in different states around the union, and it's just, 
It's just a lot of angst uh, of their congregants to manage. A lot of people who appear to believe appear to be politically opposed, who are in the same congregation. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of everything. Well, Bob Smetana has written a piece about this exact thing. Bob's a, an award-winning winning religion reporter and an editor who spent two decades producing breaking news, data journalism, investigative reporting profiles, and features for all sorts of magazines, newspapers, trade publications, and websites. And we're happy to have him on the ride home today. Hey, Bob, welcome in. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, Bob, it's our pleasure. I mean, the uh, the piece that you wrote about pastors who are, are leaving or are consider leaving the pastorate is very sobering. Sure you, is. you cite something here that's really shocking that you say a recent survey of Protestant pastors by the research firm Barna Group found that 29% of pastors said they had, quote, given real serious consideration to quitting being in full-time ministry within the last year. That's a, a, almost a third of pastors who are actively working right now. That's a lot of people. It is. And, and the one thing about that piece of data was we don't know what they, what they have said in other years, so we, we don't have a lot of context with it. But it has been a very hard year. It's mm-hmm. been uh, David Kinnaman from Barna told me he said it's been a real crucible for folks with, with so many things going on. Mm. All right, so let's talk about some of the things that have been going on. I mean, I mentioned the general categories before you came on the air, Bob, but let, give us some specifics. Yeah, so there's, there's a couple of things. So, so first, first of all, you know, being a pastor and being in church work right now is hard, right? So sure. uh, fewer folks are going to church. There's a lot of pressure uh, over giving. There's pressures in general uh, about the culture. Then you add to that. Uh, the pandemic, then you add to that a, a very contested election, then you add to that um, the discussions about race in America, and so churches, all the fragmentation and divides outside the church have come inside. So a pastor in the past would be having an argument over, you know, you know theology or the color of the carpet or what sure. songs they sang in worship, and now they're having to discuss critical race theory or um, who voted when or what happened during the election and so that or whether they should wear masks and just really really difficult um and they would have to be the peacemaker right and bob i can't imagine being a pastor and all of a sudden having cultural critic as part of your job description as opposed to a preacher teacher and biblical scholar well that's exactly right culture and then then whatever you said on social media being brought up uh, you know, or then, or having to, you know, conspiracy theory or argument over what the what whatever politicians said on social media, and what did you think about that? Uh, it's very. I think they've, uh, and I think there's loneliness. You know, so a lot of clergy have been along their own. Talked to one minister who has, you know, been on his own most of this year, and he says he feels like a, you know, a lot of his time has been spent remodeling the church to put in better lighting and better sound equipment. So he feels like a video producer versus a pastor who is, Mm. you know, sitting with people and studying the Bible and being by people's bedside and having interactions and uh, ministry together. Instead, they're kind of video content producers, which is kind of a one-way, there's no no two-way relationship. There's just a one-way I'm talking to a screen or a camera and trying to reach people versus, you know, having real connection with people's lives. Mm-hmm. The video content creator, of course, you know, all of a sudden the pastor is on TikTok or Instagram or something like that, which, again, yeah. is kind of crazy. Yeah. So but what was that like for you? you know, in your piece, which is so well done, 
you know, you, you've interviewed any number of pastors throughout the, the article that you wrote for Religion News Service. For some pastors, the pastor was a sign from God it was time to quit. What was that like when you initially contacted the pastors, told them who you were, what the focus of the conversation was going to be? Was there a reluctance to speak to a stranger, a reporter, about where they were in their life and perhaps in their despair? Oh, no, folks wanted to talk about this. A lot of pastors wanted to talk about this. Now, a couple of pastors I talked to didn't, there were a couple of pastors who are thinking of leaving who haven't left, who I spoke with, who didn't want to be quoted or didn't want to be identified because they haven't told their folks with it yet. But I think a lot of folks wanted to get this out to say, look, let's talk about it. Uh, let's, let's be honest about this. I think mm-hmm. pastors, too, feel the other pressure. One of the ministers said is they, right now there's a lot of, competition among churches. Uh, there are some large churches. I mean, large churches and small churches do good work, but sometimes larger churches have a lot more spectacle. And if you're a small church pastor, you think, I just can't compete with all those things. And so you have that pressure as well. Sure, sure. We're talking to Bob Smetana. Bob's an award-winning religion reporter and an editor who spent more than two decades producing all sorts of breaking news and data journalism. And speaking of data, he's been gathering some on what the situation with pastors is around the country post and during COVID. Um, Bob, something you said that was interesting to me was um, you were telling the story of the pastor who feels like he's like an AV producer. You know, he hasn't been doing, you know, mm-hmm. he hasn't been sharing the gospel with people, but he's been making sure that his video production software <laughs> works so that they can, you know, live stream. It's putting people technologically in a weird spot, especially if you're a small church and don't have the big dollars to put into like, you know, some big live stream system. I'm sure pastors must have mentioned that to you. Yes, they did. I think I think a lot of them have adapted. I think what they have found, though, is is just um and some churches, you know, will probably keep doing this because they're, for some folks, it's been great. You know, if you're a shut-in, you can't come to church, seeing your church broadcast is great. But I think that the ministers, and I can't talk to ministers who have been in churches where it's been socially distanced, where people are wearing masks, that there's just no personal connection. And I think that's mm-hmm. been a hard part, um, just not feeling like, how do you know? How do you know if the people who you're talking to and how do you know how they're doing? Like, you're not going to hear, you know, in a lot of churches, pastor stands at the back of the room, at the, you know, sanctuary after the service, greets everyone, sees people, knows what's going on in their lives. All that kind of stuff has been taken away. And a lot of them want, you know, they have older church members. They want to do the right thing. And knowing what the right thing to do at any moment in our culture is not easy. There's many, many, you know, there's, the, there's COVID, again, there's issues of race, there's the politics, not knowing. And I think the other thing, if I could say one more thing, is that I think people realize their connection with their church was fragile. They had deep relationships, but then all of a sudden, there are all these threats to them. If they say the wrong thing about the wrong topic at the wrong time, all of a sudden people leave and are angry with mm-hmm. them. And they think, wait, I thought we had a, I thought we were part of a family here. And instead, the congregation feels fragmented and fragile. Wow. Mm, that's really interesting. Okay. And the pa- and Bob, you were saying that the pastors were expressing to you that they sensed that from their congregants? Yeah, they sensed that from the congregation. And I think they sensed that they um, wanted, were caring about people's spiritual growth and their relationships to one another. And when the, when the, the, the outside arguments come into the church and people um, stop talking to one another over what they think about mass 
or about, you know, the George Floyd or the president or whatever, then they think, oh, my gosh, do and they think people might who they thought they loved, who people who they'd, you know, married and baptized and been at funerals mm-hmm. with and had these deep relationships, all of a sudden those are fractured over, you know, what happened on social media. It's very dis- I think uh, that was disheartening. Yeah. Well, Bob, you know, what's interesting that, uh, you know, as the uh, pandemic year went on and Kath and I would talk to uh, uh, pastors that we've had established relationships with over many, many years, some pastors told us, you know, we're not Zooming at church. We're not meeting Mm -hmm. socially distance at church. We're not meeting, period. And I I wondered about that. I mean, you know, you'd go five, six, seven, eight months a year and your congregation, you know, whether they were old or not technologically savvy, totally absent. I can't imagine what that Mm -hmm. would do to a pastor's heart to think we're essentially out of business. When this all gets back together again, what's my congregation going to look like? Yes, I think there's a lot of that. There's a lot of folks think our pastor's going to come. People are going to come back. Will they come back? I know I was meeting with the minister the other day. I had lunch with them, and he's like, there have been people who've left or who left town or moved away, and they didn't know because they hadn't been together. And uh, you just don't know who's online. You don't know when they're watching it. You have no... Um, and so I think this is for every congregation. This is going to be the challenge of how to re. We're going to do a series of stories on series of stories. Excuse me, on restarting because restarting is going to be a hard thing. How do you get people who've been at home and not meeting with one another get them to work together and spend hours and hours of time at church uh, when they haven't been around anyone in in months? Now, unfortunately, Bob, you know, really, what I my takeaway after reading your article is the relief any number of pastors that you wrote about felt when they walked away, when they turned the keys into the church. And, you know, I don't have to write a pastor. I don't have to write a a sermon for the first time in 21 years, and I don't have to deal with the rancor. And isn't that a heartbreak to think about faithful men and women who have dedicated their lives to the gospel of Jesus and just being relieved that, you know, that chapter of their life is over because it was so difficult to go through that process. Yeah. There's a, there's a pastor who's got a website called failing pastor up in Wisconsin. He's got a, he actually been writing quite a bit about this. Uh, he also wrote about some advice basically for churches about maybe you should rethink how you're dealing with your relationship with pastor. Should you ask them more how they're doing? Should you think about giving them some positive feedback in the sermon? Should you, should you check on uh, how they're doing? I, I remember the uh, this, as a reporter, I don't always talk about my own experience, but I have a pastor friend that went to the same church. He would shovel the snow at the church for years, and one day he just got so mad. I don't want to shovel the snow. They were like, "Why are you shoveling the snow?" Why on earth he was shoveling snow? Because we, we hadn't paid attention to who was shoveling snow, but mm-hmm. they were doing all this. He was doing all this stuff that was making him really mad, and he, because he was a servant, didn't want anyone to, didn't make a big deal about it, but it was, you know, it was a lot of work. And we, yeah. the church, you know, lots of folks could have shoveled that snow. And of course, afterwards, we, you know, he didn't shovel the snow anymore, but it was too late because that had been. So I think that it does, well, as you restart, congregations restart, I think there's a chance to rethink. Um, and some of these clergy have said, well, we should rethink how we relate to one another. And are we doing things that, in a way that is life-giving or are we doing things in a way that are um, kind of stretching people and using them up? Mm, yeah, that's good. 
yeah, you, stretching people or using them up. That's good. This is Bob Smetana. Um, Bob's a religion reporter and an editor. Um, Bob, thanks for your good work here today with us, and thanks for your good work on Twitter. We enjoy following you. Oh, great. Well, so great to talk to you. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Again, another takeaway is, you know, it doesn't cost you anything to reach out to your pastor and say some words of encouragement. No, you're right. Right? People want to hear, hey, good job. So we're always quick to lash out, to put our you know, people down. But if you can lift that pastor up, whether right. it's a text or an email or whatnot, in person, face-to-face, even better, but say some words of gratitude and encouragement to your pastor. It's good for everybody. We'll take a quick break. A quick break. We've got lots more ahead. We're just getting underway. It's the Wednesday edition of the Ride Home, Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. I initially was scared to call and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. That's 1-800-936-5496. This Friday... Fall in love with finding you. What brings you to Ireland, Finley Sinclair? I'm looking for something real. Critics are calling it a total delight. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Well, I am excited. And the best romantic comedy in years. I can't wait to see it all. If you like Notting Hill, you'll love finding you. It's amazing. Finally something we can agree on. Finding you. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Starts Friday only in theaters. Welcome back to Customize and Save with Liberty Mutual Insurance Company, the game show where you only pay for what you need. And we're out of time. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Are you interested in furthering your career in law enforcement? Waynesburg University offers a 100% online Master of Arts in Criminal Investigation. Our flexible, affordable program for law enforcement professionals is taught by experts from the field. Visit waynesburg.edu. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary prepares students for ministry in the way of Jesus with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and Doctor of Ministry degree programs and certificates. Perfect for students with full-time employment pursuing a seminary education. Learn more at pts.edu. Trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune into Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. 
Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, TuneIn, and on radio.com. In the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. A frost advisory is in effect through tomorrow morning. For tonight, clear and chilly. There can be frost in the normally colder spots, low 36. Mostly sunny skies expected for tomorrow. Tomorrow's high, 64. Partly cloudy tomorrow night with a low of 41. Times of clouds and sun Friday will reach a high Friday of 65. Saturday, partly sunny, high 67. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. This coming Sunday morning at 5.30 a.m. My wife and I are going to get on an airplane for the first time. And uh, we're going to fly to Aberdeen, South Dakota. I mean, it's not the first time you've ever been on a plane. No, no, no. But, you know. It's the first time recently. First time recently to be on an airplane. And I've been wondering about that. What's it going to be like? I mean, you, you know, you hear the stories of, you know, <laughs> fist fights in the aisles and things like that. So. Uh, domestic Listen, if flights. you and your wife have a fist fight in the aisle, I'm going to be really oh, embarrassed. No, no, please. I'm just, I'm just looking for a Diet Coke, and I want to just sit down. That's all I want to do. Okay, but uh, domestic flights apparently are 77 percent full on average, according to the trade group Airlines for America. I mean, last year, holy heck! I mean, uh, they tanked. Air travel was down more than 80 percent last year. So I just kind of wonder what's that going to be like. And uh, saw a piece of uh, air travel is back, including all the things that you hated. Oh, We're saying that terrific. People, yeah. That I'm people excited. have forgotten how to fly. So uh, the first instance they're citing is going through the TSA checkpoints, which, of course, is always joyful for everyone, where you're, you know, taking your, your belt off, taking your shoes off, exposing your inner life to the horde. Right. I mean, and, saying, and of that's course, causing... getting and always having your passport out in your hand and your right. ticket out in your hand or your phone. Right. Or what about the guy in front of me last time I flew whose phone ran out of battery? Right, as he was handing it to the TSA agent, and he didn't have a paper copy of his ticket. <laughs> and we're all standing there like, what? Right. Okay, so things like that. And then, of course, getting on the plane and having those missives like, do you have your ticket? Do you know where your seat is? What about, you know, um, are you the window? Are you the aisle? What about the bathroom? All those particulars, you just have your, have to have your act together. And because we're out of practice for a lot of people, you know, it's kind of like, leading a small child to cross the T's and dot the I's to make sure that everything gets done. To be honest, I'm looking forward to going away, but at the same time, I'm not really looking forward to going away. Really? Oh, wait. No. So wait, because you have some anxiety about going away? No, just because, you know, even in the best of times, getting on an airplane is a dicey situation, right? Um, this time, uh, and of course, we're not, there's no direct flights. This is shocking. I, you might know there are no direct flights from Pittsburgh to Aberdeen, South Dakota. That's terrible, isn't it? Right. Yeah. There's a Greyhound bus, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll the, be the flying. The flights that break out on that are different. Yes, they are. Yeah, we'll be flying from Pittsburgh to Minneapolis, Minneapolis to Aberdeen. Okay, mm-hmm. on a little puddle jumper. Oh, the, the flight into Aberdeen is literally the plane seats 20 people. Which wow. I, I would prefer to, to travel in those planes than a, a larger plane. It's just a little more easier to manage. You see people around you, you nod, you know. But you would, ra- okay, wait, that's it. You'd rather fly in one of those little planes than a jet. Than a- oh, 100%, really? without a doubt. I, w- I do not feel that way at all. Really? No. 
but I've no, done it. No, it seems it seems frighteningly analog when you get on one of those smaller planes. Like, wow. I don't know what, you know, the odds are in a crash, whether you're safer in a big plane or a little plane. It just feels as though the little plane somehow is more manageable. That's all. And of course, when you're flying, you know, across Minneapolis and in the Midwest to Aberdeen, South Dakota, you look down, it's a vast expanse of just, you know, wildness. There's lakes and a lot of greenery. You think, okay, if we're going to go down, we'll find a place to park this little baby. That's all. It just feels, what, like, it feels right, more secure to me somehow. Okay, like you're, like you're doing it. Okay. So only one of the three of us has had a pilot's license in their life. So Gary, I'd like to turn to you and ask you whether you think Oh, that yeah. a smaller plane is more manageable, quote unquote, or a larger plane. Well, what kind of small plane? What's the model? Uh, the is it model, a turbo? I, I don't know. Does it have propellers or a jet engine? Um, you know, that's kind of that's a good question. Generally, when we do fly into Aberdeen, they they do have propellers. Yeah, which I also think feels safer to me. Well, uh, not necessarily one way or the other. Uh, I'd probably rather take my chances on a smaller aircraft. Would you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Especially over flat terrain like that. The, yeah. the one I fly only seats four. So how dangerous could that be, huh? <laughs> Are you interested in flying John and his wife to Aberdeen, South Dakota? <laughs> Can you fit uh, how many of you? Uh, just two of us. Really? The sad okay. thing is, Gary, I'm available. And yet there was no invitation to me. Like, would you like to join mm-hmm. us, Catholic, really? get out of the house? Yeah. There was none of that. Yeah. He must have known you didn't want us to fly in the little plane. Exactly, Maybe that was right. it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think it was something more it's personal. Aberdeen, South Dakota, or bust. We'll be okay. headed uh, to the uh, the friendly skies. Air travel is back, including all the things that you disliked. Okay, last question for you. Yep. When you're flying, and I'm, I'm thinking of a big plane, the one that's going to take you to Minneapolis, mm-hmm. if you have your druthers, would you choose aisle, middle, or window? Window. Would Always you? window. Gary. And pilot seat is not a possibility for you. Always window. Uh, I window because I like to see outside. Really? Yeah. I like okay. to see where we're going. Yeah. Kath, you? you I'm aisle. All the, aisle, aisle. all no. the way. There's all too the much way. activity in the aisle. No. People up uh-uh. and down, going to the bathroom, no, the carts coming down. I want to be able to get down. up when I want to. I don't want to have to climb over somebody mm. and say, pardon, pardon, pardon. No, no, no. I like... Here's one of the keys I to safety. I can fun. put my left leg out there. I might there. as well just I'm... put you in a box and mail you. Exactly. Okay, maybe. Don't get up. That's the plan. Just yeah. don't get up, right? No, I got to get you up. Just shut it down, and when you I get there, I get there. You guys know how fidgety I am. You're, all, you're both always telling me I fidget too much. You no, can imagine sorry. what I'm like on a plane. Flying, you know, is an art form. Everybody has their own style. You fly and own fly with Kathy. Process. You won't have to argue about who gets the window seat. That's mm-hmm. right, because I don't even want it. Right. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. Come back. We're uh, underway here at the Ride Home with John and Kathy. What's up next here, Kathy? All right, next, uh, Jesus in the word of ritual impurity. What does the Old Testament mean to what we know now? That's next. 101.5 WORD. You can do all the good work you want to do. You can be as diligent as you possibly can. But if you are not living in obedience to the word of God, if you're not living in obedience to the voice of God, all of your good work will amount to nothing. Now, you don't want to hear that. I know that. I don't want to hear that either. (laughs) Make sure to tune in this week to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Tomorrow morning at 6.30 on 101.5 WORD. It's no secret that the Western Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh real estate market have exploded, especially in the last couple of years. Uh, For so long, it was easy to buy a house in our town. 
really straightforward experience, but not so much anymore. Housing prices have really gone through the roof, and it's a seller's market. So if you're looking to buy, United Faith Mortgage is a great tool in your toolbox. Their direct lender advantage, really, it's everything. It gives you the necessary help and the best deal possible on a new mortgage. Plus, the family behind United Faith Mortgage, they're open about their faith, and it's evident in how they live and especially how they do business. Hundreds and hundreds of happy people living in their dream house because of the excellence of United Faith Mortgage. Look online, United Faith Mortgage. It's a good family doing the right thing. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit EK Excavation. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. Robinson Township Christian School celebrates a 40-year legacy of producing college-bound, lifelong learners whose lives are marked by wisdom, knowledge, and a compassion for others. At the airport area's only K-12 classical Christian school, students grow to love learning, think deeply, and communicate effectively from a biblical foundation. Robinson Township Christian School now enrolling preschool through 12th grade at rtcsonline.org. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. The changes haven't been easy, but there's help. The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We can design a plan that targets potential customers with proven marketing strategies. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. The idea of purity and impurity uh, in today's culture is something that we talk about a lot. You know, we talk about, you know, purity culture, right, John? You know, that in the evangelical uh, church over the last 20, 30 years, it's been a really big deal for uh, girls in particular to stay pure, to wear the, what's the little ring called? The purity ring. The pure, is that what it's called? Yeah. The purity ring that their dad gives them and then they... Then they're they're not gonna, then they're not right. going to have sex until they get married. The gonna, silver ring thing, yeah, the okay. silver ring thing, right? Um, that sort of thing. However, when when issues of pure versus impure um, are talked about in the Old and New Testament, we're talking about cultures that are way older than ours and existed on the other side of the globe. So I, I always think when I come to a, a passage of scripture like that, the first thing that enters my head is, boy, I don't understand the foundations of what really this is about. Right. Well, I don't understand it. And to be honest, I don't follow it. Do you? I mean, when you look at your own life and the ideas of biblical purity, I'm glad that I'm living here in 2021. Well, because we idea, look at but, purity in a metaphorical sense a lot of the time, right? right? Not in an actual ritual way, which is the way that the Israelites understood it. Well, when I think about, you know, the cleanliness and purity, I think of my mother's admonition, wash your hands, just wash your hands. I mean, that's as close as I get to it, right? Right. Well, uh, 
it goes back a long way, as Kath is talking about. Our next guest, Jennifer Rosner, is affiliate assistant pastor of Systematic Theology at Fuller Theological Seminary, author of Finding Messiah, A Journey into the Jewishness of the Gospel. She wrote a terrific piece at CT called Be Clean, Jesus and the World of Ritual Impurity. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Yeah, this is a really interesting subject. So I'm sure you you understand someone who who has not studied this subject. When I get to one of those passages in the Older New Testament, I think, you know what, I just I can tell right now I don't know what this is about. Um, so just give us a general idea of what purity or ritual cleanness or uncleanness meant in a biblical context. Yeah, it's a great question, and you're certainly not alone in reading those passages and thinking that they're quite obscure and perhaps irrelevant, especially in the New Testament, especially for Christians. Um, and, and I think that uh, the book that I uh, referenced quite a bit in the Christianity Today article is a great resource. It's by a New Testament scholar named Matthew Thiessen, uh, all about issues of ritual purity. The book is called Jesus and the Forces of Death, and it's all about issues of ritual purity in the New Testament. And uh, what Tyson argues and what I would say is that those um, issues of ritual purity that we read about in the Old Testament, especially places like Leviticus 12 through 15, actually were quite significant in Jesus' own world and mm. culture in terms of his own ministry. And I think that uh, in terms of truly understanding what Jesus was about, uh, it's such a fascinating and profound and sort of unlikely key to unlocking what his ministry was about in terms of freeing people from these conditions that, you know, again, if we go back to the book of Leviticus and, and, and numbers uh, that really restrained people's ability to draw near to God and to be a part of meaningful community, which I think, um, again, understanding these issues and the role that they played in God's covenant with the Jewish people really makes it so amazing to see how Jesus's entire life and entire ministry was about overcoming those barriers that uh, that stood between people and communion with God and people in meaningful community settings as well. So because we live in a society here in the West, especially in the United States, where we are, I would say, obsessed with physical purity, right? Where people mm -hmm. are taking a shower every day. Some people taking multiple showers, cleanliness products for every square inch of your body. This is something that we as moderns don't really drill down into or really try to understand at all. But this is, as you're saying, deeply historical and biblical threads, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think the point that you raise is very relevant. There's certainly not an easily identifiable sort of one-to-one -one correlation between biblical notions of purity and modern notions of purity. So I think this is one of those areas where uh, we need to tread cautiously on just sort of reading into the Bible what we might mean uh, in, mm. in Western modern American culture by purity and the values that are placed around purity. Um, I think we need to dig a little bit deeper into a biblical notion of purity and how it functioned a bit differently then. But that doesn't mean it doesn't have relevance for today. And I think one of the big areas, areas of relevance that I would point to is that, you know, I feel like Christians often talk about the kingdom of God, which Jesus proclaimed as like going to heaven when you die kind of thing. And I think what we see if we dig into issues of ritual purity in the Gospels in particular is that that kingdom is actually breaking in now, and it has everything to do with 
physical healing, restoration from, again, these barriers that kept people separated um, from God, from places of worship, from community. And so I think, um, again, if we do some of that translation work between purity issues in the New Testament, purity issues in the Bible, and purity issues today, there's a lot to be mined there in terms of the takeaway for what it means to be disciples of Jesus, who was committed to um, not some distant, far-off, uh, ethereal heaven, but like a tangible physical restoration, which is one of the things that we see in his posture towards the ritual purity system, is this, this unfailing commitment to bringing people into physical wholeness and well-being, which has actually everything to do with the coming of God's kingdom. Jennifer Rosner is with us, Affiliate Assistant Professor of Systematic Theology at Fuller Theological Seminary. Um, Okay, so Jennifer, so I'm thinking of the story, I believe it's in three of the Gospels, on the woman with the issue of blood, the woman who Mm -hmm. touches the the trim or the tassel of Jesus' cloak. Um, He's on his way uh, to something else. She interrupts him. Um, She doesn't seem to want to bother him, but she's been bleeding for 12 years um, so that, that story is at the forefront of my mind. Um, I'm mm-hmm. also thinking of the link you made with a uh, current current or, you know, at least current historically speaking purity culture. And it seems to me that the burden falls very heavily on women. Can you talk about that? Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting point, certainly in the new Testament and these gospel stories, the ones that you mentioned, uh, it is women, but, if, but, um, and I think purity culture today, you know, there's some there's some healthy dialogue and maybe critique around the way that purity Christ, Christian purity culture today has played out. Um, but actually, if you if you look at the sources of, of ritual purity laws for the people of Israel, again in the book of Leviticus, especially in the book of Numbers, um, it's actually not just women. And so I feel like that's a bit of a um, okay. Again, that might be that might be reading some of the modern culture back. Good. Into All right. Okay. So or... okay. Yeah. So let's get more into that then. So if it's not um, heavily burdened uh, or puts a heavy, heavy heavy burden on women, talk about what what purity burdens would be felt by men. Yeah, it's a great question. So I mean, if you read the literature on Old Testament ritual purity, like what does that actually mean? That the, the kind of top scholar is a guy named Jacob Milgram. And he talked about three areas of ritual impurity. So it's it's technical. First, we have to distinguish between moral impurity, which is like sin, and ritual impurity, which is not sinful at all. It's just things that happened in the course of everyday life. And so Jacob Milgram talks about ritual impurity, and he identifies three main sources of ritual impurity in the Torah, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, which are corpses or carcasses are impure, therefore contact or even proximity to a corpse renders one in a state of ritual impurity. Genital discharges, again, Jews are not afraid to talk about bodies, um, which applies to men and women in the original Levitical legislation. Um, And then skin diseases, which oftentimes gets mistranslated as leprosy. But if you if you study the conditions themselves, they're actually pretty clearly not leprosy. Uh, the the Greek word is lepra, which you know you could understand why that would be translated as leprosy in some cases. And so, if you look at those three sources of ritual impurity—corpses or carcasses, genital discharges, 
skin conditions, it applies equally to women as it does to men. And that story that you mentioned about the women with the problem of bleeding in, in all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is preceded by a story of Jesus healing a, a, a one with the condition of lepra. Uh, and so, and, and those are men. So again, if you're taking a ritual purity perspective on the gospels, I think it maybe eliminates that uh, apparent overburden on women. So then, Jennifer, with just a, a couple of minutes or so left here, then what is the takeaway for us here in the West in 21st century, where we are as a culture uber uh, to the extreme clean? When we think about ritual purity in the Bible, what's our what's your takeaway? Yeah, I mean, there's actually three important takeaways that if there's time, I would love to touch on. I mean, the first is that I think in order to truly understand the New Testament, we have to have a framework and an understanding of God's covenant with the people of Israel. Like, I just think that we're going to miss a lot if we try to understand Jesus and the Gospels and the letters of Paul uh, without kind of approaching it from that lens. And I think especially from a ritual purity perspective, we have to know something about how these things function in the life of the people of Israel in order to understand what Jesus was doing. So I think there's a bit about our interpretive lens for reading scripture. And it also, that point also has to do with connecting old and new testaments rather than kind of seeing old Testament is a bit antiquated. New Testament is like the really relevant one for Christians today. The second point that I would say um, is the point that I mentioned earlier about the kingdom of God. Like when we think of heaven or the point of the Christian life, Um, it becomes a problem to think that it's all about going to heaven when we die. Um, And so I think this very deeply embodied uh, ministry of Jesus that has to do with healing bodies and bringing physical, tangible, material restoration is what needs to inform our understanding of the kingdom of God. It's about uh, recreating the fallenness, the fallen world that we live in, not just waiting to kind of escape to some disembodied spirit world called heaven. And the third takeaway that I would mention is that um, it actually makes a lot more sense, I think, in terms of the whole narrative arc of Jesus's ministry and life. So Matthew Thiessen, the author of the book I mentioned, this book on Jesus and ritual purity, said that he spent most of his childhood wondering, why did Jesus spend 30 some years just uh, kind of sitting around, why didn't he get to the real business of dying and rising again? And if you look at the ministry of Jesus through this ritual purity lens, it kind of sets the stage and it adds an, an element of continuity mm-hmm. to okay. his ministry. Okay, hey, Jen, I'm so sorry I have to close you out. It's just the, the, the structures of radio that prohibit no us to talk any longer. There's a lot, I mean, there's so much more we could get into. That's uh, Dr. Jennifer Rosner, Affiliate Assistant Professor of Systematic Theology at Fuller Theological Seminary. Look her up, her book, Finding Messiah, A Journey into the Jewishness of the Gospel. We'll be really, there. really interesting stuff, Jennifer. Thanks so much for being with us. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof. Or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you've lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows or Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. 
Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how would you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding and roof replacement offer valid through June 30th. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsrspittsburgh.com. That is windowsrspittsburgh.com. I have a traumatizing childhood memory of an Easter egg hunt. The big hunt was a big deal in our family, and I have this memory of running and excitedly reaching for eggs, only to have my big brother and sister sweep in and steal them at the last second. It's Ryan, and unfortunately, this is a traumatizing reality our Faith and Family Mortgage Team is seeing from families across the country. Families are finding their dream home, only to have it pulled away by another hunter at the last second. At United Faith Mortgage, we unfortunately cannot scare off the other hunters, but we can very quickly get you pre-approved and make it look as good as possible to sellers. And then, once you do grab that Easter egg, see our story and read how our direct lender advantage can often save your family monthly and lifelong money at unitedfaithmortgage.com. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Metal Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org. Corporate animalist number 1335. Rack animalist number 65233. Equal housing lender. My license in Alaska, Hawaii, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Another Drusky Entertainment event, May 13th. An evening with Natalie Grant, live at Vinosky Winery. And I'll praise you in this an evening with Natalie Grant featuring Bernie Herms. May 13th at Vinosky Winery. Buy your tickets at TruskyEntertainment.com. May 13th, Natalie Grant, live at Vinosky Winery. Another Trusky Entertainment event. Are you interested in furthering your career in law enforcement? Waynesburg University offers a 100% online Master of Arts in Criminal Investigation. Our flexible, affordable program for law enforcement professionals is taught by experts from the field. Visit waynesburg.edu. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary prepares students for ministry in the way of Jesus with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and Doctor of Ministry degree programs and certificates. Perfect for students with full-time employment pursuing a seminary education. Learn more at pts.edu. Those who are the serious cooks among us, I always appreciate, and I would say, my wife is this way, Kath, you are this way, that you have to have that sort of pantry that's equipped when you deep dive into, you know, the, the menu. And with the, with the pantry, there's also the frozen pantry of what should be in your freezer, things you can quickly pull and use in those, in those recipes. We right. saw a piece, 10 ingredients that you should be storing in your freezer and um, Kathy, you want to talk about these 10? Yeah, I, I endorse several of them. The first being bacon. Yes. Um, I Frozen always bacon. keep bacon in the freezer. Um, what I usually do is cut the, the pound containers or the pound packages in half mm-hmm. and then freeze them in half. So you don't have to do a whole pound if you don't want to, depending on how many people in your family, obviously. She talks about freezing tomato sauce, which I can never do because we always end up eating it oh. <laughs> and there's not enough left over. But that's a great idea. Yep. Um, I always freeze my butter. Yeah, uh, which I think is terrific way uh, to first of all keep your butter uh, fresh, but also if you're if you're making something that requires hard butter like um, biscuits or uh, a uh, apple crisp or something like that, you it's just a lot easier that way. Um, yeah. I also freeze all my flour and sugar and such Do like you that. Really, you freeze your sugar? Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Interesting. And it doesn't it affect keeps it at from, all. I, I think it has to do with the fact that I have a house that doesn't have air conditioning. And in the summer, it's so humid. And that's really bad for your sugar. It gives you lumps and everything like that. If you store it in the freezer, you don't have that. Right. Okay. So what about freezing your juice? That's I've never you... tried that. I don't drink juice very often. So it's juice. not. Yeah. But it seems like from here, she says it's a great idea. I don't know. Okay. So the pantry, right? For those cooks. She uh, also food. said nuts. You know, nuts can go rancid. I might just experience that in my house within the last week. And I never thought of putting my nuts in the freezer, but she says to go and do it. All right. A little cooking tip on the road. Try it, John. (laughs) Hey, we're going to talk about uh, Eugene Peterson. Wynn Collier has written the authorized biography. That's during the 5 o'clock hour of the ride home. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart. Tune in and on Radio.com. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. President Biden has met with the four congressional leaders at the White House for the first time. and says he wants to reach a compromise on an infrastructure plan. Mr. Biden pushing his $4 trillion jobs and families' proposals House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy says now is not the time for major government spending. The idea that spending more trillions of dollars into this economy when you have a supply constraint is actually the reverse that you want to do to keep America and make sure we don't have the inflation going. Expectations for a quick deal remain slim. Israeli fighter jets have dropped two bombs on a 14-story building in Gaza City and destroyed it. The building housed businesses as well as the offices for Hamas's Al-Aqsa satellite TV channel. Hamas has responded by firing rockets toward Israel. On Wall Street, stocks remain sharply lower. The Dow is down 442 points. This is SRN News. Turkey and stuffing, real mashed potatoes, sliced top round, Aunt Emma's broccoli casserole, chicken and gravy over buttermilk biscuits. Am I making you hungry yet? Hi, it's me, Marsha, from the Springhouse. You have a special event coming up in your life, a shower, a wedding, graduation party, company party, anniversary event, or any occasion where you'd love to serve all-natural, farm-fresh foods? Then it's time to give the Springhouse Catering Department a call at 724-228-3339. From your first conversation with Dawn, who will help you create a menu that's unique to you, to the beautiful, bounteous setup and display that my sister Jill and her crew create, You will be delighted. After every catering event, Jill tells our cooks, I wish I could take you with me so you could hear all the wonderful comments guests give us. Give us a call at 724-228-3339 or check out our extensive menu at springhousemarket.com for farm fresh catering from the Springhouse. Every great team needs a great leader. As a successful local radio sales manager, you know you have what it takes to help others succeed. Salem Media Group has a place for you as the Pittsburgh team's next general sales manager. Here, you can put your talent and creativity to work as you lead a seasoned marketing team in a professional and family-like atmosphere. As you hit the streets with our local media strategists, you'll use your knowledge of radio, digital, and social media marketing to provide integrated client-based media marketing solutions that will help our customers succeed. Minimum two years experience as a local sales manager, director of sales, or sales manager with a proven track record of success is required. Must be proficient in Excel, Word, Outlook, and PowerPoint. See full details, responsibilities, and requirements when you apply now at salemmedia.com careers. That's salemmedia.com careers. 
Salem Media Group is an equal opportunity employer. We've all been thinking a lot lately about the air we breathe. QDOT has been thinking about it for over 100 years, providing big HVAC solutions for the commercial industry, including healthcare, where air quality is paramount. Does your home deserve any less? For affordable solutions, including their new bipolar ionizer, which may eliminate up to 99.4% of airborne viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, breathe easier with QDOT. Call 412-366-6200 or visit q-dot.com. For the one standing guard. For the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click slash safety, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. A frost advisory is in effect through tomorrow morning. For tonight, clear and chilly. There can be frost in the normally colder spots, low 36. Mostly sunny skies expected for tomorrow. Tomorrow's high, 64. Partly cloudy tomorrow night with a low of 41. Times of clouds and sun Friday will reach a high Friday of 65. Saturday, partly sunny, high 67. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. Portions of the following program are pre-recorded. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon. Thanks for coming along. Wednesday edition, a beautiful afternoon here. Looks like the rain and the cold finally finding its way out, and uh, we're back to spring-like temperatures. Uh, During the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to talk in just a little bit with Wynn Collier about uh, his new biography, authorized biography of Eugene Peterson. And then later on in the show, uh, Natalie Grant, who you may know, is headed to Pittsburgh tomorrow night for a live show. Natalie Grant is with us uh, around 40 or so. A live musical wow. show. What? I don't remember yeah. that that's uh-huh. a thing. People are going to get a gather together and uh, share a beverage and sit and listen to some music, some praise, uh, praise and worship music, which is fabulous. Uh, a couple of things of note here that uh, we saw today. Um, the Squirrel Hill Theater, uh, at, on, um, Squirrel Theater, which uh, has been a part of the Squirrel Hill neighborhood for about 65, 70 years. Is this the one on Forward Avenue? It's on Forward Avenue. Yeah. The um, the Manor Theater at the Manor top Theater. of the hill uh, yeah. is still in operation. Square Hill Theater closed down about a decade ago. It hasn't been, been that long. Wow. Yeah, it's been and just been sitting there crumbling. Well, finally today, the uh, bulldozers moved in and they started to knock this structure to the ground. They're looking to have retail on the uh, first floor of a new building and then um, uh, affordable housing uh, for, I think, a seven-story building on top of the retail. So, Isn't that what every building is is like destined for right now? Everybody so. always says, oh, it'll be retail on the bottom floor, and then it'll be residential. That's like, can we do that all over the city in every different location? Probably not for retail, that's for sure. And um, I, I saw this piece, uh, you know, uh, theater's in my background, and so, you know, you know any number of shows, but... Um, do you know the show Godspell? Sure do. Godspell. I mean, when I say that show Godspell. Day by day. Right? Yeah. Um, Godspell has been performed, I bet you, 10,000 times across 
small community theaters uh, probably around the world, probably more than 10,000. And it's an easy show to produce because there's virtually no scenery. There's no props. I mean, everything is just kind of, you know, a small group of actors. Well, it is about the gospel. Uh, Godspell is the gospel of Jesus Christ, primarily derived from the gospel of Matthew. Now, of course, except uh, the resurrection at the end, which does conclude that gospel. Right. You know, theologically, there are some gigantic potholes within the play, the piece of theater. But what interests me most about the play Godspell is that it has deeply Pittsburgh roots, specifically from Carnegie Mellon University, 1970. Uh, a young man who was a Carnegie Mellon uh, theater uh, major, John Michael Tebleck. Um, he put together this play, and it has some really um, un- unfortunate roots that the, the genesis of the show, genesis of the show, was sparked by an unhappy encounter. So John Michael Tebleck, one Easter Sunday in uh, the late 60s, wanted to go to church on Easter Sunday, and he walked into a service but he was deemed inappropriately attired and was frisked by a parishioner who was an off-duty police officer with the assent of the rest of the congregation. Quote, he was devastated. He walked out of, those, out of there heartbroken and furious as many deeply spiritual Christian kids in the early 70s. It made him return to the message of Jesus, his relationship with the poor, and his message of love. And so from that... He started to write a play. Which, okay, so he, he wrote God's Will because he wore bad clothes to church. Pretty much. All right. Yeah. And was denied entry to a church on Easter Sunday. Interesting. All right. So then he wrote the play. Uh, he took it to a small theater in New York City, off-Broadway, so to speak, in 1971. In 1973, it was made into a motion picture. In 1976, it went to Broadway. And then after the Broadway run, of course, as the aforementioned, tens of thousands productions around the world. Godspell. But it has its roots here in Pittsburgh and specifically in the east end of the city of Pittsburgh. Never knew it had any link to Pittsburgh whatsoever. Yeah. Is that a, a, am I a fan? Yeah. Well, now I'm going to feel badly saying this for all the people that, okay, I, I can't stand that show. (laughs) I don't want you to hold back or anything. I I mean, I has something to do with the era. You know, I did not wild about the music. I like the era. I mean, the the Jesus freak era. I I like, Okay. right. It was the same time as there's nothing wrong. I'm not, I'm not picking on the era, but there's just something about that musical thing i'm just not i'm not into and the fact that he doesn't rise from the dead at the end that's a problem when you watch when you go to see the show which i've seen you know a lot of times it makes you think that it's like he's like a cult leader like if he's not if he if he preaches all this stuff and he talks about the temple being you know torn down and raised again if it doesn't if he dies and it, he doesn't come back then he's just another weird you know he's like you know the moonies or right. he's you know, who is the, who's the Jim Jones? I mean, like what? My guess is like all things, the message was probably watered down because they saw dollar signs and they probably couldn't effectively preach the gospel for a mass audience, especially in New York city. That's just, I don't know if that's true or not. It's just my take on a work of art. That's John, all. You, yeah. What do you feel about the show? I'm not a fan. Oh. I mean, uh, the music, I like the music. I mean, you know, I, I do. I like the music. But like you say, it's it's not meant as the gospel. It's meant as entertainment about some pseudo magical guy, pretty much. I would say it's not really. Ge- what happened to the, what happened to the writer from Samuel? 
uh, he had a rough go of it, you know, like Did a he? lot of people who are in the creative field and then was just, you know, the, the uh, an avalanche of money came his way. His life did not go well after that. And um, he passed away, I believe, sometime in the 80s. Um, but it was not a good ending uh, for him. And, and that, that early notoriety as a young theater student out of Carnegie Mellon University, it was difficult for him to navigate all that. John Michael mm-hmm. Tablack and Stephen Schwartz. Interesting. Anyway. Well, that's good. John, I never knew about the Pittsburgh connection to Godspell. It's a real surprise to me. So, uh, We'll take a quick break. Come back. Wynn Collier is with us. He's got the authorized biography of Eugene Peterson. Next, A Burning in My Bones. Stick around. It's right on the John and Kathy. We're Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. A title deed proves you own a valuable piece of property. But when it comes to the most valuable possession of all, your salvation, what proof do you have that it's yours for keeps? John MacArthur looks at what it means to be held in the grip of God. That's the title of his study this week on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks. So you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job, creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to BambooHR.com slash HR. This is a limited offer, only available to radio listeners at BambooHR.com slash HR. That's BambooHR.com slash HR. If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford. SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. Not in perfect health? Don't worry. Select quote Fontania, 40, who has type 2 diabetes, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $32 a month. We shop companies like Protective, Prudential, American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-880-7474. That's 1-800-880-7474. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-880-7474. Select quote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com.
lots of different versions of the Bible, of course, right? Translations. But the, the one that's most unique, I believe, that stands above them all in many ways is the message, which was translated by Eugene Peterson. A Burning in My Bones is a brand new authorized biography of the life and times of Eugene Peterson. Here to talk to us about that is Wynn Collier, who is the author. Wynn, welcome to the show. It's good to be here and talking with you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, when, uh, the, as John indicated, the message is, um, well, people feel very strongly about it. A lot of people love it. A lot of people think it's uh, apostasy. <laughs> um, but uh, I'd like to get at the man behind it. Um, you knew Eugene Peterson. Um, first of all, for our listeners who aren't familiar with the name, talk about who he was. Well, Eugene, uh, first of all, would say he was um, husband to Jan and a dad to three to three kids, and he was a longtime pastor in Maryland. He um, he started founded the Christ Our King Presbyterian Church, and he was a writer. He spent uh, decades and decades writing many books, and did uh, ultimately translate the Bible. But it wasn't really intended to be for America at large. It was intended for. Uh, his sinister class that he was teaching in this church. That's how it started. And it just, it took off from there. Really? Okay. So as Kath said, when, of course, you know, the message is revered by a lot of people and despised by people. And um, it's an interesting mix. Of course, there's nothing in uh, modern day Christianity that is uh, all embraced. It's just the the way we live here culturally uh, in, in the United States. But uh, I'm curious about Eugene and the message. And especially, you know, you're, you're talking to a Pittsburgh audience and the story of Eugene and the publication, the actual work of the message in many ways, um, is Eugene coming to Pittsburgh and sitting in a small apartment and getting to work, yeah? That's right, yeah. So it's, it began in his church, and once he realized that uh, he was going to leave the pastorate and was going to go full-time uh, writing and eventually would teach uh, elsewhere, but he was invited to, to come there and uh, to, to serve for a year at the Pittsburgh Theological Seminary uh, in residence, and he taught like one class. But really, what he did was he spent his his days um, translating the Bible. Yeah, the whole time he was there. And what years was that? When? Oh boy, um, I I don't have those notes in front of me. Unfortunately, okay. I don't remember right. exactly. Yeah. Uh, it would have been before he went to Regent College in Vancouver, so I think that was it was early nineties, early I believe. Got I it. When one of the things that I really love about a burning in my bones is that you you flesh out the man Eugene Peterson, and you talk about Eugene uh, that he would say, "Lord, make me a saint." And mm. I, I think that's uh, people would say that, right? A lot of people would say that who who love the Lord. But uh, the way that Eugene Peterson looked at being a saint, I think, is probably different than what especially the, a secular person would say about the saint, or even you and I. Can you talk about what a saint would look like through Eugene's eyes? Sure. I mean, first of all, I think it's important to say that he, he said um, um, for decades, but he only said that in his private journals. It's nothing he ever said to another person. Right. Thank um, you. Yes. This was his own prayer to God. Um and then toward the end of his life, he once was actually asked the question of, uh, Eugene, what do you think a saint is? So knowing what he'd written in his journals, my, my ears uh, really uh, tuned in. And he said, the first thing he said was, being a saint 
is someone who doesn't know they are they are one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So in other words, there's there's a kind of humility that is part of of that. But for Eugene, being a saint did not mean being some otherworldly person who was sort of floating around in some mystic way, um, disconnected from the grid of life. For Eugene, to be a saint meant to be someone whose actual life in this world was becoming so um, immersed in the love and grace and presence of Jesus Christ that they were being transformed to be a true human in this world like Jesus was. So it meant being more engaged with this world. It meant being more attuned to the beauties and the sorrows and the places of brokenness and the hope that we have. And it's it's this constant transformation to becoming more and more the person that God's created us to be. I'm into that. So what then, with that, whether, you know, the, the private thoughts, the private prayers of Eugene Peterson, can you talk about how Eugene Peterson looked at the modern church and perhaps, you know, the rise of the the mega church, because, you know, I I do know that Eugene Peterson, you know, from Montana, and in some ways, you know, Montana was a character in his life. And I I think maybe, you know, spiritually a a major part of him as well. So can you talk about that, that tension between what it was to pastor a small church and especially early on in his pastorate, how he saw that, and then the rise of the, the modern-day evangelical church and that duality and tension in his life as a believer? Well, um, you know, early on he was starting a new church, and this would have been right around the time where what we know of as the church growth movement was really kicking off and lots of books being written and conferences, and, and he felt the pull to that, that he was being told if you want to be faithful as a pastor— in this modern world, this is how you have to do it. And the more he paid attention to that, it felt to him like it was becoming depersonalized. And he believed that everything that um, was truly Christian is relational, because God is Trinity, because Jesus came to us in flesh. Um, And so he went through a long uh, series of years, six, seven years, he referred to it as the Badlands, where he was really grappling with what does it mean to be a faithful pastor? What does it mean to, to love the people in front of you and not use them for my own ego? And through that, he came to some really strong convictions about um, uh, making him second question, essentially, whether or not uh, the impulse to always grow, to always be big, bigger is better, to to do everything in some efficient way, to follow the, the leadership um, sort of CEO mentality of Wall Street, that, that just to incorporate those things into the church um, was to miss the unique reality of what God is making the church in the world. And and so he just totally uh, swam a different direction. Sure. We're talking to Wynn Collier. He's director of the Eugene Peterson Center for Christian Imagination and associate professor of pastoral theology and Christian imagination at Western Theological Seminary. We're talking about his new book. It's called A Burning in My Bones, the authorized biography of Eugene H. Peterson. Um, Talk about how um, Eugene handled the criticism about the message. I mean, there are people saying this isn't a translation. Uh, This is, you know, this isn't this isn't the Bible. Um, How do you manage that? You know, it really depended on I think the the spirit of the person who was who was um, who was criticizing. So if it was someone who, in good faith, 
had a different uh, sort of conviction or understanding about how translation was to work or and someone who actually knew what they were talking about and um, saw things differently, then he would just, you know, have a good conversation and accept that. He, he, he never had this idea that the message was supposed to be sort of the final translation or he never even thought it was the best translation. He was, he was, again, it started him writing um, for his, his own Sunday school class, trying to help them see the, the electric um, reality of scripture and, and God's presence in the scripture. And, and so it, it went from there. And if somebody didn't like it, then it was, then it was okay with him. There were times where he got frustrated when people would, would write letters that were just inflammatory, um, that even maybe didn't know exactly what they were talking about. In fact, there was one one letter he wrote back, which I found particularly hilarious. Um, he kind of just gotten a number of these in a row, and I think he was kind of tired of it. And he wrote this letter, this letter back, and he was at this point probably 81, 82 years old. And he said, he said, you, ha- you asked some very good questions. Um, but here's what it's going to take for us to be able to have a good conversation about this. You probably need to go spend three years studying Greek, another three or four years studying Hebrew, and and then we'll be able to have a really meaningful discussion. But the problem is by that by the time you're finished, I'll be dead. So it's probably not going to work out. <laughs> That's Touché. so great. That's excellent. Oh, my God. Okay, so when then you bring up a good point that, you know, at its core, as the man— Eugene Peterson was not a cultural critic. He was a biblical scholar. And I think, you know, we, some people want to, you know, throw him under the bus as far as the culture is concerned. But at its core, he was most concerned with Jesus and God's word. That's right. And, and because of that, um, it made him very concerned about the person in front of him. So, for instance, he always identified himself as I'm a pastor. I'm not um, a cultural warrior. I'm not a spokesperson for the Church Universal. My primary job is to pastor particular people with particular stories. And so he was always most interested about the person in front of him, the story in front of him. He didn't like answering abstract questions about uh, sort of vague, general uh, points of concern. He wanted to talk about the actual person in front of him, the problem they were facing, what they were up against. But that would also often mean that he wouldn't sort of address questions the way people expected him to. Um, and it's just because they weren't allowing Eugene to be Eugene. They wanted him to be somebody else. Hmm. And, uh, yeah. Isn't it interesting, I think, you know, to to see someone like Eugene Peterson, and, and I, I, you know, this is just within the fabric of modern 21st century evangelical Christianity, that we are so hungry for a Savior, of course, but we're looking for, you know, a, you know, a flesh and bones savior. And so for a lot of people, Eugene was, you know, as the old uh, wise man, that savior. But of course, you know, no one can live up to that. But y- you look at that and, you know, he was poked and prodded and criticized for, you know, any number of things. And I think that would be a burden to carry that was unnecessarily harsh. So can you talk about that? I mean, th- that burden of what it is. I mean, there he was. He was just a, a guy from Montana who was trying to do the will of God. He happened to be a pastor. But towards the end of his life, you know, there came 
something that was, you know, celebrity. I mean, Bono shows up at your front door, goodness sake. And then notoriety in some ways where there's, you know, a a whole brouhaha around gay marriage. I mean, that had to weigh on a person's life, especially someone, you know, schooled like Eugene. Yeah, it was the strangest thing in the world, honestly. Someone who detested celebrity as he did to find himself um, very much at the center of uh, people's attention. Although, as I was doing the research for the biography and went through the thousands of letters and, and, and their schedules and things, like it's amazing how many things he refused. Um, for every conference he spoke at, he said no to you know, five or ten. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, he really did his best. Um, I mean, he was constantly welcoming individual pastors from small churches in Nebraska and Idaho and New York State into his home, Hmm. but he would often resist going to the 5,000-person conference and speaking on the big stage. Um, But at the same time, um, he was really comfortable in his skin. He, for most of his life, felt like he didn't fit in anywhere really well, and so even toward the end of his life, that, that was not a new feeling for him. I do think um, there's also probably hard for some of us to understand what it's like to be Eugene living in um, Montana and to basically not even know how to use email, to never have heard of Facebook, to know nothing of Twitter, to not even watch TV. So he was, his life was very local. Even when he was known around the world, his own life was really the, the small circle of people that he committed himself to. In fact, his last five or six years, he'd had a little three-by-five card, and he would have 20 names on that three-by-five card, and he called that, those list of names, that was his congregation. And those mm-hmm. are the 20 people that he felt responsible to pray for every day, um, that he was, that, 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 those were the people he was pastoring. And while a lot of the um, eruptions and things um, really rocked him as people began to explain to him, you know, the criticism, it's still true in another way that his world was smaller than most of us would imagine. Hey, Wynn, I need to stop you right there. I'm sorry. Our time is up. That's Wynn Collier. His new book is called A Burning in My Bones, the authorized biography of Eugene H. Peterson, translator of The Message. Wynn, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, Wynn, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Great pleasure. Take a quick break. Come back uh, in just a little bit. Natalie Grant will join us. Uh, She is in Pittsburgh tomorrow night for a live musical event. Uh, Don't miss this conversation. Natalie Grant, straight ahead. Give the ride home. I have a traumatizing childhood memory of an Easter egg hunt. The big hunt was a big deal in our family. And I have this memory of running and excitedly reaching for eggs, only to have my big brother and sister sweep in and steal them at the last second. It's Ryan, and unfortunately, this is a traumatizing reality our Faith and Family Mortgage Team is seeing from families across the country. Families are finding their dream home, only to have it pulled away by another hunter at the last second. At United Faith Mortgage, we unfortunately cannot scare off the other hunters, but we can very quickly get you pre-approved and make it look as good as possible to sellers. And then, once you do grab that Easter egg... See our story and read how our direct lender advantage can often save your family monthly and lifelong money at unitedfaithmortgage.com. We 
or United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. This Friday, fall in love with Finding You. What brings you to Ireland, Finley Sinclair? I'm looking for something real. Critics are calling it a total delight. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Well, I am excited. And the best romantic comedy in years. I can't wait to see it all. If you like Notting Hill, you'll love Finding You. It's amazing. Finally something we can agree on. Finding You. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Starts Friday only in theaters. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. Are you interested in furthering your career in law enforcement? Waynesburg University offers a 100% online Master of Arts in Criminal Investigation. Our flexible, affordable program for law enforcement professionals is taught by experts from the field. Visit waynesburg.edu. This is Tim Seckler inviting you to tune in each and every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by my law firm, the Seckler Law Firm. Each week, we'll talk about your family's well-being as it relates to elder law, nursing home stays, estate planning, and keeping your hard-earned savings. And if you missed the Life and Legacy Show, you will find it archived at secklerlawfirm.com. See you Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy Show. On your radio at 101.5 WORD-FM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app by heart, tune in and at radio.com. A frost advisory is in effect through tomorrow morning. For tonight, clear and chilly. There can be frost in the normally colder spots, low 36. Mostly sunny skies expected for tomorrow. Tomorrow's high, 64. Partly cloudy tomorrow night with a low of 41. Times of clouds and sun Friday will reach a high Friday of 65. Saturday, partly sunny, high 67. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. What makes sense? Two and only two political parties. Well, it'd be nice to have a little more variety, I guess, wouldn't it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. To me, it doesn't make sense because, you know, other countries are having multiple voices heard. Right. We're kind of narrow here. Yeah, so I like the idea of more voices. Now, of course, there are more political parties, but there are just two dominant political parties, and that's the problem. Yeah, the other, but the other ones don't matter. They don't so matter. Well, they don't right. matter at all. There's no right. oomph behind them, right? Mm-hmm. There's no, no drive, no control, no majority. So, yeah, I would say it doesn't make sense. No. Do you agree? Yes. Yeah. Or I, 
Now I understand that with an electoral college, that having more than two parties is going is is complicated. Yeah. I get that. However, just observing life for the last thirty years, I just feel like there are more voices that never get to be heard because we have these two parties. And who who can sign on to everything about a party platform? Nobody. Nobody can sign on for that. You know, it's not like you endorse everything about your party. So it would be just, I don't know. I'm longing, John, for the variety. I say no. Today, mm-hmm. it does not make sense to have only two political parties. Kathy Emmons for the Whig party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I don't want to be a Whig. Right. I don't. I could go to Israel. They have like 16. All right. Does this make sense? We've been thinking about doing some painting, interior painting around the house. Okay. So I've been watching some videos on YouTube. You see the guys with the air compressors and they're spray painting effortlessly the walls of their homes. It looks very easy. Oh, that looks great. Mm -hmm. So I brought this up to a friend of mine. He was like, don't do it. You'll regret it instantly. Do not. You don't know what you're doing. You don't have the proper tools. It's going to be a complete and total nightmare. So I guess I'm being fed a little something here because it looks really easy and super fast and clean up, you know, lickety split. Does it make sense to spray paint inside your house? No way, John. No. Stay away. I'll tell you one thing. I spent the last 10 days painting on the other side of this wall and I'm pointing to this wall on the other side of this wall. It's a lot harder than it looks. (laughs) Yeah. To do a good job and to do a clean. To do a bad job, it's super easy. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The spray painting does not make sense. So, okay, I'm surprised. Okay, so I won't be spray painting within the little compressor because that doesn't make sense. And uh, if you want to be the Green Party or the Wigs or whatever, casting, that makes sense. 101.5 WORD. Coming up on Insight for Living from Chuck Swindoll. Truth be told, many believers live in a world of fears. Fearful of what may happen. Fearful of what is happening Fearful of it happening to any one of us. Don't be afraid of those who threaten you. Fear not. Study the book of Matthew with us when you listen weekdays to Insight for Living with Chuck Swindoll. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof. Or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you've lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows or Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how would you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding and roof replacement, offer valid through June 30th. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at Windows. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That is WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Another Drusky Entertainment event, May 13th. An evening with Natalie Grant, live at Vinosky Winery. And I'll praise you in this dark, and I will lift my head. An evening with Natalie Grant featuring Bernie Herms. May 13th at Vinosky Winery. Buy your tickets at DruskyEntertainment.com. 
May 13th, Natalie Grant, live at Benoski Winery, another Drusky Entertainment event. Progressive Motorcycle presents Road Wisdom from the Motor. Half man, half motorcycle. You never really stop riding in your mind. Never, ever, ever. Unless you're thinking of something else. Progressive Motorcycle also presents Roadside Assistance. Progressive Motorcycle, for those who were born to ride. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary prepares students for ministry in the way of Jesus with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and Doctor of Ministry degree programs and certificates. Perfect for students with full-time employment pursuing a seminary education. Learn more at pts.edu. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at Radio.com. Well, the good news is that uh, the rain showers here in May have finally dissipated. Boy, it's been so cold and dreary this uh, last week or so. Thought it was never going to end, but... uh, Today and especially tomorrow, they look to be beautiful May days with uh, sunny skies and temperatures in the mid to the upper 60s. All that to say that tomorrow night, Natalie Grant is in Pittsburgh, live and in person, featuring Bernie Herms. She's going to be uh, at the Vinosky Winery in Belvernon. It's unbelievable. If anything says this is the end of the pandemic, it is Natalie Grant live and in concert. Tickets on sale right now at wordfm.com. Natalie Grant is an eight-time Grammy nominee, five-time GMA Dove Award Female Vocalist of the Year, Natalie has become an icon in Christian and gospel music, in addition to garnering more than 500 million streams and multiple number one albums and singles on the Billboard charts. She's also an author, a philanthropist, an actor, a game show host. She is co-founder of Hope for Justice, a nonprofit organization in the fight against human trafficking, which has 32 offices across nine countries. And Natalie is with us live right now natalie that's an awful lot thanks for coming along today <laughs> i'm like i don't know who you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> oh good to talk with you <laughs> yeah thanks so much i mean really uh, we're excited because like i said i mean if anything spells the end of the COVID era it is live music <laughs> in person live isn't it? music <laughs> we are so excited to come we, we my husband it's Obviously, you said featuring Bernie Herms, and for those that don't know, I am Natalie Grant Herms, so that's my husband of 21 years, and um, we started doing these concerts together um, last month, and just literally with people singing to, like, faces, not to a screen, has been such a gift. It's amazing the things we took for granted back in 2019 (laughs) before the world changed. (laughs) So what was it like for you, Natalie? I mean, what was the, you know, the onset of the pandemic when you saw this coming, what, what was your story like? At what point did you say, Oh, we have to pull the plug. (laughs) You know, it's funny because I don't think we saw it coming. Isn't that funny? Like, right. It's like you kind of hear about it. I, I remember back in February You know, the last concert that I played was at Carnegie Hall in New York City. And we we were seeing some people on the street that were wearing face masks. And we were like, oh, that's different, you know. And and we had heard about 
you know, COVID, and but it still seemed very far away. Yeah. Um, and then a few weeks later, you know, we're on spring break, like a lot of the world was. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and we're on spring break in Florida. And our friends are texting us saying, you guys, there's no food left in the grocery store. We're like, wait, what? What are you talking about? What? They're like, no, there's no food left. There's no toilet paper. And we're like, what? So I remember we were uh, thinking that we were going to fly home from Florida. We rented a car instead and got a cooler, went to the grocery store in Florida and bought some things that we could milk and eggs and got some toilet paper and drove home so that we would have some supplies at home because everyone was like, no, everything's shut down. And I remember as we were sitting at home, it was like maybe day two or three into you know, quarantine, everyone was kind of shut down. And yeah. my husband and I looked at each other and said, well, why don't we just like record a song, you know, from our living room, which is recorded. And I remember him going, but we don't have like a, a real microphone and a light. And I'm like, we have a phone that has a record button. And we thought, let's do a song a day. We called it a song a day keeps the crazies away. And I thought, how long can this thing last? Like two weeks? (laughs) We can do a song every day for two weeks. Then we got to 70 songs. (laughs) We were like, okay, I think we've run out of songs. We don't know any more songs. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the good news is, though, I mean, during the pandemic, obviously you were fruitful. You were creative. You released an album uh, last September, right? Yes. And it's funny because I had recorded and written those songs in 2019. And a lot of the songs that I wrote or or, um, even recut, like we re-recorded a song that my husband wrote with Casting Crowns back in 2006 called Praise You in the Storm. And really, those songs were all about my bout with cancer in 2017 and coming through that experience and you know, what that was like to walk through a cancer diagnosis and, you know, the thought that I might not ever sing again because my cancer was on my thyroid, but the tumor was laying on my vocal cord. And so I wrote all of these songs kind of about that experience and coming through that and how my faith was strengthened, not knowing that they were really songs that I was writing for a season that I didn't know we were going to be in yet. (laughs) And it's funny as I look at the lyrics of some of the songs, like, who else can take a tragedy and turn it into victory? There's no one like our God. I'm like, that's a song for right now. Praise You in the Storm is a song for right now. Um, you are no stranger to me. It's a, it's a, in a season where we've been in lockdown and feel like we've been isolated, to be reminded that God is always with us and sees us. And it's just so funny how the Lord knows what season we're going into, even when we don't. And we can think that we know what's happening. We're writing or or being a part of something that's for a moment we're in, when in actuality, it's for a moment we're going into. (laughs) Fabulous. We're talking with Natalie Grant. She is in concert tomorrow evening, Vanosky Winery in Belvern in PA. Tickets are on sale right now at wordfm.com. It looks to be a beautiful venue, a a terrific night weather-wise. So get on out there. Break the COVID, the pandemic spell, and go out and praise the Lord with Natalie Grant, an evening with Natalie featuring Bernie Herms. So, Natalie, um, it sounds as though in the midst of the the chaos, you found some good creative time. What about uh, you know, you and Bernie and your kids together? There's nothing like quite like, of course, being in isolation where you you get to know each other pretty darn well, yeah? <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, it's funny because we've been married for 21 years, but I've been a touring artist from, you know, I got my record deal the same year I got married. And so I've been a touring artist since we got married. Um, this is the most we, time we've ever spent together consecutively in 21 years of marriage. So oh, wow. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. We still love each other and we like each other. We're still <laughs> best friends. But we have to get creative. I mean, with the kids and having them home all the time and they missed their friends and they, they go to a little tiny Christian school, but still they missed their community and having to get creative of, you know, making up games. And because there's only so many rounds of checkers you can play or go fish. So we're making up games and, and enjoying, honestly, it was a difficult um, journey. And yet I think that we're going to look back on this season and say, it was actually a gift to have that kind of family time together. Isn't it funny how we get so busy? We add so many things to our lives that we think are helping our life. And then everything slows down and you strip some of those things away. And you're like, actually, that didn't help my life. It only complicated my life. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you strip away all that stuff and you just get back to what really matters. And you're kind of like, I want to come out of the COVID season at the same time. I don't want to lose um, just the perspective of what really is the most important thing in life, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, that's really good. That's a really great insight. Okay, so you've done a few shows, right? I mean, and these are not large-scale shows. These are, I, I guess, you know, the lack of a better word, would be intimate. I mean, you and Bernie together. Uh, describe, you know, what yeah. the evening looks like and feels like. Well, you know, it's funny because um, for those that are listening that watched our songs on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, we, we loved doing it because it was just something we could do. And we had no idea it was connecting so um, incredibly. Our record company sent us a text, you know, about a month into doing them. They're like, you guys realize 40 million people have watched these videos. And we were like, wow. wait, what? <laughs> we had That's no cool. idea. But it was this moment of connecting with people. And we thought... What would it be like to take that moment of our living room on the road and now be able to play it live for people, um, but have it still just be that intimate setting of my husband and I telling stories and singing songs and 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 I just it's been so uniquely special um, because number one it's the first tour that he and I have done together like this in 20 years and. I think also just that intimate moment of connection, that, that thing that people have, have lacked in their lives, a, a connection. They don't need all the big production and the big yeah. ta-da of it all. They just need connection. And I think yeah. that that's what this night really is all about, helping people connect with the presence of God through music, but also connecting with one another. And um, it's been a really, really beautiful time. Wonderful. So what you're saying is there'll be no smoke machines. <laughs> no smoke machines. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Listen, uh, I would say go out tomorrow night and enjoy yourself because Natalie Grant and Bernie Herms are going to produce a wonderful show. The Noski Winery in Bell Vernon It's produced by Drusky Entertainment. Wordfm.com is the place to go to get your tickets. Really, just a promise to be a beautiful evening, both weather-wise and music-wise. So an evening with Natalie Grant, Benoski Winery, tomorrow night, wordfm.com. Natalie, uh, 
listen, uh, I, I don't know what it was like. I'm sure, you know, our kids were older. Your kids were much younger in that day-to-day of engaging and being the mom and also, the, you know, the wife and the entertainer and all those things together. It just uh, had to walk a tightrope. So now you've got a little breathing room and you can go out and, and, and be with people again and enjoy the moment and create. <laughs> I mean, it's a gift, and I think it's a gift not only for yourself, of course, but for all of us as well, that we can rejoice and celebrate in the Lord and community. And like you said you know, early yeah. on, uh, the things that you, you didn't even think about, those little things have become monumental. So yes. we're really, really excited yes. that you're coming back, and it looks to be a great one. <laughs> so thanks for this. Absolutely. We're excited to be with all of you. It's going to be a great night. Fabulous. Listen, wordfm.com, an evening with Natalie Grant, Bernie Herms, uh, Drusky Entertainment, and uh, outside venue, uh, of course, the COVID restrictions and all that, but really, just a beautiful night. So go to wordfm.com and get your tickets, and we'll see you tomorrow night at Vanofsky Winery. Thanks, Natalie. Thanks for having me. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm excited to announce my new product, My Slippers. They took me over two years to develop because I didn't want just an ordinary slipper. My Slippers are meant to be worn all day long, no matter what you're doing, whether you're inside or outside. My Slippers come with an exclusive three-tier cushioning system that you won't find in any other slipper. It combines two layers of foam, including my proprietary My Pillow foam and a patented impact gel made from U.S. soybeans. My three-tier cushioning system is going to help relieve pressure points, Provide that micro support you need for all day comfort and help prevent fatigue. Not only that, my slippers are made with high quality leather and a premium indoor outdoor sole that make them extremely durable. I personally guarantee they're going to be the most comfortable slippers you'll ever own. This is John Hall. Visit MyPillow.com for deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the new MySlippers. Click the radio listener square and enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954. Remember to use promo code WORD. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call term provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-555-2085. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term providers help thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-555-2085. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-555-2085. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-555-2085. 800-555-2085. At Eden Christian Academy, hope is rising. Hope that is secure in God, that builds faith, and inspires a love that can't be stopped. Eden is where parents find hope in a true educational partner where students see faith woven into every subject, and where teachers model the love of Christ to every child from pre-K through 12th grade. Schedule a personal tour at any of their three North Hills campuses and witness the hope, faith, and love that Eden can offer your child at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Welcome back to Customize and Save with Liberty Mutual Insurance Company, the game show where you only pay for what you need. And we're out of time. 
Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary prepares students for ministry in the way of Jesus with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and Doctor of Ministry degree programs and certificates. Perfect for students with full-time employment pursuing a seminary education. Learn more at pts.edu. We have some results for who's going to end up in the 2021 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class. Uh, Jay-Z will be inducted on his first year of eligibility. Is um, Jay-Z rock and roll? Is that rock and roll? No. No, I don't think so. No, it's not. Uh, the, the rock and roll class also uh, includes the Foo Fighters. Are you ready? The Go-Go's. Go-Go's? I mean. Uh, is that is that rock? No. The Go-Go's? They should just call it what? They should. Like the pop what? music. Yeah, like. something like that. Yeah. Okay. Todd Rundgren, Carol King, and the Queen of Rock and Roll, Tina Turner. What? Todd Rundgren is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. Now listen, the Foo Fighters um and the Go-Go's made it in on their first try, really? as did uh, Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Now, uh Todd Rundgren has been nominated since 2019, so he mm-hmm. uh, he didn't get in on his first try. Can and based we... on based on the live concert you and I saw, there's a <laughs> Reason why. Um, as an age well. Uh, now, interestingly enough, the Foo Fighters frontman, Dave Grohl, uh, has already been inducted as a member of Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Tina Turner was already in the Hall of Fame with Ike and Tina Turner. And mm-hmm. Carol King was also already in as a songwriter with uh, Jerry Goffin. That was mm-hmm. back in 1990. Okay. So they're in for their second time. You know, to make things interesting, they should mix things up. Like, you know, the Baseball Hall of Fame does inductions in the summertime, too. What if, like, you know, the Baseball Hall of Fame went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? They just switch places. I think it, that'd be good. Be kind that'd of, be good. Know. Yeah. Like, you could, like, people could fight over Barry Bonds, but in Cleveland. Right. And the Foo Fighters could have, like, a little plaque that there they are in Cooperstown. You know, they're the Foo Fighters. I, exactly. I, I'm not. Are you a fan of the Foo Fighters? No. No, and I really like him a lot. Oh, he he's excellent. Like such That's a, a gigantic great guy. Talent. Such yeah. a great guy. But man, I hated Nirvana, and I don't like the Foo Fighters either. I, mean, I like Nirvana. No, I, I couldn't get into Nirvana. Um, but I really like him a lot. He, I saw a live uh, concert that he did, and he brought out his daughter to mm. sing, and he played guitar for her. She's yeah. maybe 11. It was so delightful. Oh, that's cool. I mean, it was really, really. Was that just, recently? Yeah. I just, okay. I just, well, I don't know when it was, but I just yeah. saw it. Maybe I saw it within the last month. I see. Okay. So, so not- when there's induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, do the inductees, you would imagine that they would, right? I mean, so are we going to get to see Tina Turner perform? Is that, is that happening? I mean, Tina Turner. I mean, she's got to be 70, almost no, 80 years old. I think she's probably, I think she's 80. Yeah. I think she's 80 years old. I th- well, I mean, the only uh, induction I ever saw was for the 25th anniversary of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They did a DVD special. They did a big thing at, um, I think it was a live concert at Central Park, mm-hmm. in Central Park. And so it's like spectacularly awesome. Right. If you've never seen the DVD set, I think it's four DVDs. It's really, really great. Well, I wonder if any, you know, if any Christians have ever been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Whether directly or indirectly, right? Like, like well, you who's too. the guy? You too is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay. Right. How about like, uh, who's the guy? Norman. Um, Larry Norman. No, Spirit in the Sky. Uh, what's his name? Oh, Norman Greenbaum. There you go. Is Norman Greenbaum in the, in the Rock question. and Roll Hall of Fame? Right? Probably not. Right? Yeah, I don't know. Um, Larry Norman can't be. I don't think he's in there. No, probably not. Um, I don't, I'm Pro- sure there are a ton of Christians who are in it, but I'm, but I don't know if they went in singing Christian music. <laughs> no, right, right. 
not that you had to sort of you know announce your theological perspective. From but the that's not a question on the initial right. ballot. No, it isn't. Right. What's your theology here? No, there isn't. Tina. It doesn't happen. They're asking the Go Go's, like, what's their creed? Well, anyway, I, I've never been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'd love to go. I can't believe I haven't been there. I still I mean, feel badly Cleveland. about I mean, it's, it. It's less than three hours. My away. husband and I have been talking about going for like ten years. This might be the good the good year to go. I like to go year? see Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when Tina Turner is inducted and okay. to see her perform at That'd the age fun. of eighty. Okay, but just be very cool. That's all. Anyway, have yourself a great night. We are podcasting up and running after we leave the show. The ride home with John and Kathy, and uh, on Facebook as well. We'll see you tomorrow, God willing. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.